Hello, my friend. I'm Nat Fox, and welcome to the Risk Takers podcast. In 2012, I took a risk, resigned from my job, which was very scary, and I asked myself, what would I do for free? What would I love to do even if I wasn't getting paid? My answer was traveling, writing, and encouraging people. Now, I had many moments of freaking out, of course, but this led me off the beaten path and to become curious, to ask questions, and I ended up becoming a travel writer, a tour guide to Alaska. I moved to Hong Kong, Boston, and New York twice, all without knowing a soul. I wrote a mentoring program. I became a radio host. And each of these things have one thing in common. I took a massive risk. I've had my fair share of challenges as we all have. I've faced pain and failure, and I'll share more of these stories as we go along. But I wanted to create this platform for some of the biggest dreamers and creative minds to come and share their stories as well, to encourage us all. Because when we're little, we took risks and we dreamt so big, and somewhere along the way, we kind of lost that part of ourselves. And so I would love to encourage us all to bring that part of us back, to awaken that part of us. And so that's what this podcast is all about, to remind us who we we truly are, how brave and uniquely special we are, and that we all have something beautiful to bring this world. So I'm on a mission to inspire 1 million people to take the risk they've always dreamed of. Welcome to the Risk Takers podcast. I'm cheering you on and here's today's episode. Love you. My very special guest today is artist, author, creative coach, and entrepreneur, Noah Elias. Based in Orange County, California, Noah is a risk taker from way back, getting his start selling art door-to-door on a bike at 16 years old. And he's now an artist for incredible companies such as Disney, Universal Pictures, Lucasfilm, to name a few. He designed Suki's vehicle in Too Fast, Too Furious, and he's passionate about leveraging the power of story to change the world. Noah founded his own university as as well as an annual workshop called Reimagine in California to help creative entrepreneurs see beyond the limits of possibility and build their own brand and business. We met in 2005 and he's been a great mentor in my life since then. Right now we're recording this podcast uh, and Noah is at Walt Disney World in Florida where he has a very special art exhibition. He's recently created one of the most unique portraits of Walt Disney that has ever been created. It's just been released, which we will talk about. His greatest joy is encouraging and helping others build a life of impact and discover why they're on this planet, which is why we get along so well. Noah Elias, welcome to the Risk Takers podcast. I'm glad to be here. I'm so <laughs> glad to be a part of it. Oh, I'm excited for you. So you, you're at Disney World at the moment and you, you spend As a lot. speak, I'm looking, out, I'm looking out the window. <laughs> what do you see? I see a huge lake and I see the skyline and um, beautiful resort. And I'm getting ready to head over later on and, and meet a bunch of guests and sign a bunch of art product and love on people. That's amazing. Well, um, you and I met in 2015. You were speaking all about dreaming big and I just remember hearing your perspective on life and being mm-hmm. so inspired by that thinking, that level of thinking and just thinking of, what, you know, what's possible. Let's take a step back in time. What was younger, what was little Noah like, younger you, and were you always a risk taker and did you always think this big? Well, let's see, when I was younger, when I was younger, I started my business going door to door on a bike at 16. Um, you know, I was I was a risk taker, knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur at a very, very young age. I did not want to be uh, working for somebody else. I didn't want to be stuck at school. And it really drove me nuts. School just, I, I knew what I wanted to do. And I just want to get out and start doing it. So I put my business card 
in the yearbook at our school. And that's kind of how things started. Word of mouth started getting out. I started doing jobs uh, using art, graphic design. Everything's drawn by hand and really learning the art of people at a young age. But definitely knew I wanted to step out into building things and making things, um, projects, making dreams a reality. Um, that was just the way that I was wired at a young age. Mm. And I think sometimes we can so often kids can feel trapped at school because they they feel like they need to fit into the academic mold and when you're a creative mm-hmm. or you've got these different ideas like yourself it's it can be quite difficult unless you've got I guess mentors in your life and great parents who can um, cultivate that in you did you have that growing right. up well my my mom was an interior designer uh, mm. just an incredible beautiful uh, interior designer where she just was so amazing at executing a vision in somebody's mind and and making it far beyond anything they could imagine in reality. So Mm. that, that was what I gleaned from my mom and from my dad. He had that same talent of being able to make ideas become a reality from, um, you know, graphic design and signage, uh, hand lettering logos and so on. So I, I, I grew up in a very entrepreneurial lifestyle. But I picked up, I don't know where I found this, but as I witnessed and saw my parents and saw other other business owners in town, donut shop owners, whatever, I'm just like looking around mm-hmm. and just felt this thing in my soul that like all these people can be doing this differently and they can be doing them better. Like I had a heightened sensitivity and awareness for um, aesthetic down to the receipt paper that was being used mm. to the smell of the way a place smells uh, to the lighting in a room, to branding, to the uniforms that people were wearing, to the whole experience. I had that from a very, very young age. So as, as talented and um, my dad's no longer around, my mom is still around as talented as my mom is and as talented as my dad was, I saw other things like, man, I really wish we could have done life together later on in life yeah. because um, I really feel like there could have been some amazing opportunities that could have happened. Mm. Isn't it funny how you look back and you see the, you see life, obviously you'll see life differently as an adult, but looking at the opportunities as a child, if you could know your parents as an adult, like all three, you know, all of you together, that would be very interesting. Yeah. So obviously going from that to becoming partnering with incredible brands and doing all this mentoring you had clues Mm -hmm. back then and I love talking about this looking back to your childhood and looking at clues that you for some you know all of us who are kind of figuring out our journey and our purpose if you look back to childhood which I love saying and you love to talk about this as well um, there's clues that are hidden in our childhood that are signposts to our purpose can you speak a little bit to that yeah, so my childhood, knowing that I wanted to be a self, you know, a self starter, but an entrepreneur, I always felt uh, as a child, even though my parents split up, and I, I kind of, you know, I'm, it's not a sob story of being orphaned, but there was a, there was definitely a, a part of me that felt um, there was an abandonment thing that came from, you know, my dad taking off, my mom being sick in bed, like dang. Like my dad's gone. Mom's too tied up with other things right now. Learning a lot from my grandparents. God gave me incredible mentors in my life mm. that helped round that out. Surrogate fathers. Yeah. But 
the way that I was wired at a young age was I knew I wanted to do something extraordinary. I knew I wanted to, to do something special. I knew in my heart, I wanted to do something that was going to last. And, and, and so I knew two things. One, I knew I wanted to do things with creativity and I wanted to change people's lives through it. And then later on, I, you know, so I knew that at a young age, but so it was kind of sparked and birthed in my childhood, came to fruition and manifested, you know, in my young twenties and then came to full manifestation later on. So it's kind of cool how, how it works. Yeah. How did you get from trying to promote your own business? How did you, how did you move that up and where did you go from there? So so for example, I had this really amazing idea of what I wanted to do with Disney on a certain event. And there's been multiple things like this within Disney. I've been doing fun partnerships and, and projects and relationships and so many different things and all these different parts of the business, uh, or I should say the company that had moments like this. And that was this, where I would see a need. I would create a solution to the need. Nobody even knew that there was this need, but then I would come up with this solution, this idea in a pitch deck, fully articulate it visually, numbers, ideas, forecasts, all that, and bring that and say, hey, what what would it look like if this was to happen? What are your thoughts on this? I've done that when I painted the cars with the Fast and the Furious. It was like, hey, what would it look like if we did this one and this one and this one and this one? Um, have you guys considered this? I, rep- I, you know, then I, then I took it so far as to like paint actual remote control cars to drive them in as like a demo and like kind of surprise everybody and, and then gave it to, gave it to like the director. These are like ways to put and send things over the top where you're creating opportunity where it doesn't currently exist. And like that takes guts, mm-hmm. like that takes super hardcore courage to take something that doesn't exist yet, <clears throat> put your life on the, on the line whether it be financially, whether it be like with the relationship and the integrity that you have with the company. But the the idea is this, like to take and to live life with no regrets where you can go to bed at night going, you know what? I have put everything, I have put everything out there. And by that, I have no regrets going to bed at night right now. I have no regrets. And mm. when you have that, there's that peace of mind of saying like, I'm not leaving any meat on the bone. I don't have any cashed in dreams. My life has been stepping into waters that are rushing that would, you would think would completely take, take me out. But God has been faithful with that and saying, listen, you show up, you do your part. I'll come in and I'll, I'll fill in the blanks. Mm-hmm. And that's how life has been on all my projects in all my initiatives in writing my books, self-publishing books, launching products, launching courses, launching mentorships. I mean, this is nerve wracking, roller coaster, make you want to throw up way of living. But you know what? (laughs) I wouldn't trade it in for anything. It is the most thrilling, alive feeling ever. Yeah. I love how you talk about the power of, of having a why and knowing your why. And yeah. I think that's pretty, that helps when you're on the, on, you know, on the edge of the cliff thinking, I, I know that I want to do this and I know I want to take this risk, whatever it is. But when you attach uh-huh. a why to that, I, I think the risk feels well, less scary, but then, or, or maybe not less scary, but it, but it gives you that, that force behind it. 
and it makes it not so much about you but about other people. Can you can you speak to that and maybe share a little bit about your beautiful why? Oh, my why? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when it comes when it comes to the why, you know, Simon Sinek did such a wonderful job of the book Start With Why. It's mm. been incredible. Um, and it's a great place to start if people don't know where to start when it comes to that. What that really means with is people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And that's the basically the premise of the book. And I spent so long um, trying to come up with ways to make more products, to sell more products, and really less, fo- and then I had to just become less focused on that and become more focused on why in the world am I doing this? Mm. And it's one of the things that I actually teach is what's your, your, your why and the driving force behind why you're doing what you're doing in anything in life is going to be paramount, especially when it comes to your business. So why you built the business, are you building it just to be more success, to become more successful and to be your own boss and to have more time? Great. Our why is to leverage, uh, literally it's, it's our slogan. Our why is to leverage creativity and story to bring hope to the world. We are using creativity and story to bring hope to the world. And, and so then the question would be, if we ran into an elevator, hey, so who are you? Oh, I'm Noah Elias. Well, what do you do? Well, here's how I lead now. I lead with my why. We are, my wife and I and family are passionate about rescuing special needs orphans in South Africa due to the AIDS crisis. Mm. And we, we rescue them. We take care of them. We put them in forever homes and raise them in a family through adulthood. And we're hoping to do four homes in our lifetime. And we do that through partnership with Acres of Love. And then a person says, well, how do you do that? Well, we have a couple companies. And uh, one of them is art publishing. And I sell consumer products and art. I make paintings and we, we multiply them and, and have a business out of doing that. And then I do online publishing, uh, do courses, digital products, mentorships, and different courses. And then we also have a private equity uh, fund that we created as a result of this lifestyle to help bring people in, to show them how to invest in, like my hope and prayer would be not that they, not that they think, oh, there's this Noah guy, the artist. No, I met a person today that's in a, in a business or in the lifestyle of helping and care for and rescue special needs children. Mm. And that's, that's what drives us. That, that, our why permeates into everything that we do in our business and our collectors know that mm. our, our, our students, our clients know why we do what we do. Yeah. We're not here just to become more successful and to become more comfortable. We're in the business of bringing hope to the world through story and creativity. And I think that's why storytelling, that's what, that's where it's so powerful because as soon as you shared that, it's like, it makes everything, it connects, you know, I imagine when you share that story with people, you're not just talking about your business, which is what you're so passionate about, but then you're sharing mm-hmm. a bit of your heart as well. And you're sharing your story and you talk about your family. And, and I think that's why, you know, why storytelling in its in and of itself is so powerful and beautiful as well, because it really connects us and it brings humanity into it. And then obviously that's, you know, brings us back to that. I mean, we all just want to be connected, don't we? We want to be, we want to feel like we belong and. A part of something much bigger, a mission. 
One of my favourite, favourite things about Disney and Disneyland when Walt designed it, you know, he saw it all in his mind and then he had someone sketch it out. And so within a year, he built it from what he saw in his mind and he wanted it to be a place for everybody to come and to just be reminded of family. And I remember one time I was there um, on one side of watching the parade and I looked across and I saw this big burly man and he was a dad and he looked like a biker dude and he was he had you know um a couple of kids and he just looked like this tough guy but then as soon as the parade came past he just became childlike and he's he had so much joy on his face and he just looked like this little kid and yeah. it's interesting to see I don't know just to kind of deconstruct that like what what happens when we become childlike and why you know kids are kids are they dream big because they're not afraid of anything they don't worry about what people think they don't worry about money and so just as an example you know in that place Disneyland we become childlike but what does that do for us in terms of our dreams and say in that guy you know I was watching him and I was so inspired I just couldn't stop staring at his face and he was just so happy and elated um why, why is it so important that we don't forget um, our childlike selves? Well, there's a, there's a difference between, um, you know, this is what's really interesting. There's a difference between a person. I know a lot of 50-year-olds that, that have a 13-year-old trapped inside, meaning mm. they never grew up. Mm. And they don't have... They may, let's say they may be lacking emotional intelligence. They lack in communication. They lack in, you know, they just, they were growing up, growing up and then stopped. And through a lot of counseling on my end and a lot of leaning into understanding our family's history, our family of origin, um, whether it be addictions to chemical dependency, um, there was a tremendous amount that I learned in that process. And so one of the exercises in there was like really starting to look at everybody that you know in your life and really ask how old are they on the outside and how old are they on the inside? Mm. So this is the, the one end of the extreme of like, there's just some people that like had, like I've met, um, I've met people that literally walk, talk and act like they're still in high school. Mm. Like, man, you never left. Pete, like Peter like, Pan, Peter Pan <laughs> syndrome. <laughs> Don't want to grow up. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And then, then I've met other people that are fully old souls, grown up, and they're solid inside and out, but have a deficit where they never explore and or get in touch with that childlike nature that brings them joy, mm. riding a skateboard, building a soapbox, swinging in a tree, climbing a tree, going you know, you know, going fishing, having the adventure. And having that childlike wonder, I believe, based on what you described, what you saw was what was called somewhat of an awakening. Mm. An awakening is when you have a soul that's so wrapped up in the the delivering of being a great dad and and the responsibilities that come with that, and raising the money to take your family on a trip, and mm. bless your wife and your kids, and all that kind of stuff. And for that one moment, man, Mister Tough Guy gets a, a chord struck inside of his heart that just resonates to kind of making him forget everything outside those walls of Disneyland in his life and just makes him go for right now, man, I feel like a little kid again. This is crazy good. Mm. And, and the word, you know, the F word fun is one of those words 
that very few of us can actually say that we can remember the last time we had fun. Mm. I mean, like true fun, like fun is when you're like screaming your head off like a little kid, crazy. Like maybe you are riding a roller coaster. Maybe you are with some friends and you're river rafting or there's something that you're doing that's thrilling or zip lining or, but everybody's like, nah, that's back for when I was young or that's for younger kids or younger people or whatever. But I just wholeheartedly want to have you consider and look internally saying, man, have I refused to grow up? Have I been hiding out and being a child for too long or, or stay trying to preserve and hold on to that for so long because that's something that's so endearing and I never want to lose that? Well, sure, that's that might be one extreme, but both sides can kind of come to that middle of, you know, sure, I got to grow up, but I also want to stay in tune with the kid in me, which is why I created my own series, The yeah. Kid in Me, that, that gives us a nod back to and a reminder of the good old days aren't over. There's a ton of good old days that are still to come and the best is yet to come. Mm. And wouldn't it be great to have that kind of childlike, childlike wonder of still being able to have a great time and build best days with your kids and, and build best days with yourself. That's one of the biggest things that I love. People are like, man, don't you, you know, my daughter even said, she's like, it just kills me to think that you're alone and that you're having to go eat alone and travel alone and all that. I'm like, Griff, you gotta understand, I am never alone. I'm walking around with my heavenly father. He's my favorite dude to hang out with. I am never, I'm talking to him the whole time. Like, and that is an amazing, amazing feeling to have. And outside of that, nurturing yourself and going on art. One of the big things I do is artist dates. I take myself out on dates. Um, Julie Cameron did a great job of articulating that in her book, The Artist's Way. Um, mm. Artist dates are wonderful. Taking yourself out exploring, looking, reading, bookstores, movies, long walks. I mean, I crave solitude time. I love it. And But I'll tell you, for a lot of years, I was miserable. I was way off. I was literally a codependent, could not be alone, had to have people around and found my identity in who I was with mm. and who they were. And, um, you know, creativity took on a whole new level in life and life took on a whole new level. The moment that I was able to, to fall in love with who I was, who I am, find out who I am. And, mm. you know, you can't really give a lot to a whole lot of people unless you don't have it yourself. Yeah, that's right. So my encouragement would be like, find it for yourself as soon as you can. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Well, um, I just wanted to ask you about your beautiful new painting, storytellers yes and that's just been released and it's the journey of when walt first arrived in california and can you tell us the significance of this piece and what what it means because you you love the power of story and and that's kind of you know what connects us and how we can leverage it but can you just share a little bit about the painting and um and how it's impacted you yeah, so Storytellers is, is truly a, a special piece, might be one of my favorite pieces I've painted in my 15-year um, relationship working with Disney. And, you know, Storytellers is all about when Walt landed here with nothing but a suitcase and stood on, um, stood on that street, the Carthay Theater in the background, you know, just kind of like that whole idea of, of Walt arriving in California with a dream and a suitcase. Man, does that not personify just mm -hmm. truly what 
what just makes us come alive for me it does and and really that just that whole idea of i have an idea i have some dreams and this is where i'm going to do it and to spend your life doing that is just such a wonderful wonderful thing and i just wanted to capture that now technically that that painting was really difficult because i was taking that from a statue that was going to be installed um, in the actual park in California Adventure inside of um, inside of California Adventure inside of Disneyland at the resort. And so um, working from that model, you know, shot some images to be able to have as reference and then, you know, compiled this and did this composite of all these different elements, the old car, the old street lamp, the trees and, you know, Walt himself and Mickey and, and taking that statue and creating it to look real. Mm. And um, then how do we make this romantic? How do we make this feel like 1928? How do we make this feel like that era and that vibe? And so the color, the distressing, the, the sepia tone, um, how do we make it feel like this is something that you'd want to put in your home and it would just feel like this super iconic, nostalgic piece that doesn't like, yeah, sure, Mickey's in it and sure Walt's in it, and like, but it's not gonna like, you're gonna walk in and see like a cartoon on your wall. Like this literally feels like the legacy of Walt Disney all in one image. So that's, that's what the piece means to me. And, and um, I absolutely just absolutely love creating it. Mm. And it captures like what you just said, you know, arriving somewhere new with a suitcase full of ideas and thinking, yep. what have I got to lose? Let's just, let's just give it a go. I've got this thing in my heart that's telling me to try this thing, even though it doesn't make sense or maybe all the ducks aren't in a row but I have to do this thing and I have to try it. So yes. um, I love that that's what yep. you, that's what you do. That's what you live. So it's powerful. Well, thank you. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time and for sharing all of those beautiful stories. I really appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. And um, if people want to learn more about you and um, look at your art and just find out more about you and sure. what you love to do, how can we do that? Yeah, so I have some books that um, I, I wrote a, a book called The 31 Habits of, of Highly Successful Creatives uh, and then Fear Hunters, which is going to help you overcome fear and shame to step into your uh, your true self and your calling. Um, I'm working on a new book right now. And then I am the art and the courses. Uh, you can go to two sites. You can go to noahelias.net, noahelias.net. And then you can also check out Noah Fine Art. On Instagram, I'm noah.j dot Elias and um, Facebook's Noah Fine Art, Twitter's Noah Fine Art. Um, but yeah, I just, um, you know, have some free resources there, some free courses that will help you out if you need it, the books to help you in your journey. And um, of course, if you're into art, we've got plenty of art oh that goodness. you can check out. Uh, just appreciate you having me on today. And yeah. Me, uh, oh, I'll put everything in the show it. notes, of course. And I, one of the things I have found so, um, that I'm so thankful for with with what you are so great at is the accountability. And I think sometimes when we start things and we have ideas and we want to take a risk, having somebody there that will be help us with accountability and, you know, yes. help cheer us on obviously, but then be like, okay, well, you said you were going to do this. You said you were going to launch this business and you're very good at that. And so your university, I highly recommend that because I, I did that. So I'll put all of that information in the show notes. You're one of the most incredible mentors I've ever had. So I want to thank you for everything that you've 
done to encourage me. So thanks, Noah. You're welcome. Thanks, Nat, for having me. (laughs) Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Risk Takers podcast. Please share this with as many people as you can. And if you loved it, please give us a five-star rating so more people can be encouraged. I would love to add you to our risk list. So let me know when you take your first step. Hashtag 1 million risks and send me an email via natbox.com.au so we can all cheer each other on. And whatever you're facing right now, just know that you're not alone. You're braver and more courageous than you think. I'll see you next time. Love you.